0: Hey, everybody, I'm Garrett.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: We've been married for eight years and have two kids, Caleb and Sadie.
1: Over the last few years, we have fallen in love with the scriptures and are learning how digging into God's word has helped us grow deeper with each other and those around us.
0: We want to be real about our lives, our struggles, and our joys.
1: This is Growing Deeper.
0: Hey, guys, before we get to the podcast, just want to remind you to rate and review the podcast. That'll Make sure that if somebody looks up Exodus or Ruth, uh, that they will be able to pull up our podcasts and, and see what we have to say on different sections of the Bible. Also, if you have any questions or comments or things that you want to share with us, uh, you can email us now. We now have an email address of Podcast at gmail.com. That's growingdeeperpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Even just uh, saying, hey, we're listening and really appreciate it or something like that. I don't know uh shoot us an email we'd love to hear from you now on to the podcast
1: hey guys we're super excited to jump into chapter 23 i have i really enjoyed studying this chapter it gave me a lot to think about um garrett and i have had some good conversations about it in fact we wanted to wait like a couple days just to kind of wrap our head around it before we actually recorded the podcast um it also it's been kind of a, a little bit of a weird week for us um we are officially quarantined um nobody ha- in our family has covid yet and hopefully won't but we've been exposed to people who have um so it's that kind of has has thrown us a little bit but um overall it's just like mm, wonder-
0: it's really no different it's
1: really no different <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean- it's it's I'm yeah, like, well, I
1: can't go into Target, you know, like that's sad. I mean, me and but, you
0: basically just saw a few people a week, anyways. So
1: yeah, so on, it's you know, it was Caleb, Caleb's preschool class, um, his teacher had had a case, and so uh, yeah, so it's just been it's just been one of those things, and you just you roll with it, you laugh at it, and and hopefully we'll be stay good and healthy. Yeah. But before we get into chapter twenty three. We kind of wanted to have a little bit of a real talk moment, I guess. Um,
0: well, in our introduction, we talk about how we want to be real about our lives, yeah, our struggles and our joys, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, want to, I guess, get into struggles. Yeah. <laughs> a so little
1: bit. yeah, so. Um we're only going to talk about Garrett's struggles, yeah. obviously.
0: Yeah. That would be inappropriate to <laughs> talk about Melissa's struggles.
1: Uh, well, at least for this podcast, we're we're going to focus on Garrett's struggles um and it's something that we've had conversations about lately and we were like, "Hey, maybe this is something we should share because it's, you know, it's a real thing that people go through and some listener even if it's just one person might be able to relate and it might be something that helps them to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Um and so that's kind of the point in sharing our struggles it's not to be like super depressing or negative or whatever it's like hey guys everybody we're all don't don't base um you know don't base everything on Instagram or, or what you well, think you Well, in general,
0: when we do these, we don't, I mean, we don't want to have an hour-long depressing podcast. You know, you don't <laughs> right. want that. But at the same right. time, you know, so then a lot of times it can seem like, oh, you know, like Garrett's got it all together and he, you know, does all this stuff or what? I don't know. I don't know what you think. But it's just, there can be a false conception because because we are trying to create something that is that does bring joy, um, mm-hmm. that, that can help you grow deeper into scripture. And I, the last thing I want you to do is think scripture is boring. So, so like I, I want to bring that to the table. Um, but you know, I, I struggle just like everybody else does. And so like for this one, you know, I, I have, I have dealt with anxiety issues a lot in the past and, uh, with work and with, you know, and it, it, and I've talked about this before of like being on Zoloft uh, when I came off of Zoloft and everything and like the effects that that had on my, on my uh, personality and different stuff. And, you know, and like, I didn't want to do that forever, but, um, but came off of it and things were going really well with it. And I guess in the last like six months or so, I've started to feel more and more like slowly getting more anxious and more anxiety creeping in. And then maybe in like the last two months, I've had, it feels like a really big spells of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not panic attacks. You know, I, th- I think, I do think that I had panic attacks before. These are more like, you know, this is like anxiety that like just slowly builds up. And then it lasts a long time because I'm constantly thinking about this one thing or, you know, like, like I go down roads of saying, I, what if I'm not able to take care of my family? Like basically, what if, what if this one thing happens and then I lose my job and then I can't take care of my family and I lose, you know, I lose my license. I lose my, you know, like, and, like then, what if he and did, then then if we lose our, you know, like, yeah, exactly. It's basically he ends up in jail. <laughs> it goes from one thing to the next. And, you know, and it's all illogical and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I can tell myself that, but yet still I still I'm sitting there you know being anxious about this thing that i can do nothing about and it's just um you know it 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 makes me sad at this at that time because i'm like i shouldn't be i know i shouldn't be i know that i have you know that i'm very blessed and everything and that i have you know so much more than the majority of the world you know and i want to be grateful for those things so knowing that just makes it harder on me sometimes, because I'm like, well, great, now you're not thankful, and now, you know, and and you're not being the thing that you need to be, and so that just piles on, and piles on, and piles on, and then it just seems like it gets out of whack, and so I've been, I've been in that, in that place, and you know, and one thing that, uh, even, even with this podcast, what, what I want to, I want to have everything together, I I really do, I want to have, you know, if, if, Uh, if you ask Melissa how much money we've spent in books that I read, just so Mm -hmm. that I can, because I don't want to approach a subject that I don't understand. And I don't want to pretend that I know something that I don't. And um, and so I I read and I I get really deep into stuff and I want to, I want to distill all that and I want to bring it to the table to offer to somebody else to be like, look, this is awesome. I really am excited about this or whatever. And I've read book over book, over book, over just Exodus, you know, just so that we can go through this. And, and I feel confident about the things that we're saying. And, but even doing that, you know, there's like a thousand things I don't say, you know, like that, that I'm like, Oh, I should have said this differently or should have done that. Or I should have, I wish I had, uh, I, I I wish I could have included this from this book or whatever. Like I want to, I want to give everything and I can't. And so what ends up happening is then I kick myself every time, you know, like when we finish one of these, I I hang on every word that I say because I'm like, oh, you know, was that exactly right? Was that a hundred percent right? And you know, if it wasn't, then I'm then I'm kicking myself about it, and I'm really really hard on myself, and um. And, and the, the thing is, yeah.
1: is, is like you have, you know, let's say ten thick, super thick books worth yeah. of information in your yeah. head about this. And there's just no way you're going to ever fit that into right what we try to be like an hour long podcast, yeah, and so that's you know it's impossible to do what you think you should be able to do right. in your head,
0: yeah, and I just but like ultimately, it's like I've put in a lot, and i wanna i want I want something to come out that's great from it and 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 I hope it is, but at the same time, it's like I wanna be. I don't want to be like mad at myself about something that it's like, listen, dude, you put everything you could into it. Mm -hmm. And why are you mad at yourself? Or why are you frustrated with yourself? Or, um, you know, why, why are you letting this one little thing haunt you? Um, and, and I can't even pinpoint anything at this particular moment. It's just that like right after I'm always thinking about that stuff and being like, I wonder if I sound like an idiot and, um and, and I guess I just have like this deep set fear of of not being respected or not being like, that's probably where it di- goes to it at its deepest is like being afraid of losing respect from somebody. And I want everybody to be happy with me. I want everybody to to like me. And, you know, and so like if one person doesn't, I'm like fighting for that person to like to, to like respect me again. I know earn- you
1: really should like me. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But you know, it, it just is, I, I don't know. Like I, I sense it with social media and stuff too. It's like, even, even the things that I do on social media, I know it's like, dude, you're just looking for uh, somebody to pat you on the back or something, you know, or like, look, look at you like, I I don't know, in a different way um, or see you as smarter or, or whatever. And then inevitably I always just feel like a fraud and mm because i I'm, I'm i'm just a layperson <laughs> you know i'm just a i'm just an engineer who is just trying to you know do the best that he can and i i love jesus and i love i love the bible and i want other people to love it too and i'm afraid right? what i what what handicaps me though is like that fear that i i'm not able to pass that on to somebody mm-hmm. else and and so there's just a lot of insecurities that i deal with doing this and that I deal with with work and just about everything in my life has this has some sort of aspect of this going on with it
1: and and really this is something that I feel like we've just recently uncovered because we used to just be like well it's your job you know maybe things will get easier with your with your work or you know like do you want to consider working somewhere else or doing something entirely different and So recently to come to this realization that this is a problem or an insecurity that is in every, like, facet of your life, Mm -hmm. you can't just change jobs and that's going to make it better. You're going to still, like, we were talking about, you know, Garrett loves Tim Mackey Mm -hmm. and how he has sometimes been like, man, if I could just you know, do the things that he does or like work in in the same kind of way, not be Tim Mackey, but like in that field Mm -hmm. kind of thing that, man, I would just love to be able to do something like that. And then with all this talking about this, I was like, if you worked for Tim Mackey, you would feel (laughs) so much pressure. Yeah. Like, because you would want him to respect you. Or I mean even anybody with the Bible project. You know, you would want them to respect you and and you would feel and you would feel insecure about how well you were doing, and so it's kind of not that he shouldn't ever, you know, pursue pursue passions or you know whatever, but not out of the, not because of this, right? You know, um. So you know, if if he wanted to pursue something else because it's a passion of his, you know, great, you know, that's that's one thing. But to to run away from something because of an insecurity. is you're just going to have those insecurities
0: elsewhere. And if I wasn't incredibly stubborn, you know, then like there are times where I'm like, I'm just so insecure about something that like I would, you know, like I could see me being like, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, like it's just too hard for me. And so it's a, you know, it's, I'm incredibly stubborn and i'm also incredibly insecure and so then whenever it's just like so then i just keep doing it over and over and over to <laughs> myself and so anyway i i don't you know i just i just want to to note uh for anybody that you know that may deal with that you know it, i i'm really hard on myself and and you might be too and i'm i'm really trying to find uh you know a way to find um you know peace in god and just to to know that Listen, you know, I I am like I do bear God's name and but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to do everything perfectly and I don't think I I really don't think it that's expected. I don't I don't think that that's what I don't think God expects me to do everything perfectly. I think he he desires for me to listen for his voice and to do you know to 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 obey him. And that's what I'm trying to do. You know, trying to obey God as best we can. It, out of response to grace that's been given to us. And, you know, that gimmick, that's all we can do. And to find a way to be at peace with that and just say, you know, I I find my rest in God alone. And, you know, because of his grace, then I respond with obedience. And, you know, it's, it's just everybody's deals with something and that's kind of mine. And like, no matter what good I do, I think I seem to Deal with that problem underneath. It seems like
1: though it it has been helpful for us to really kind of figure out this sort of root root cause that's kind of spreading into everything. Because it now feels like maybe we can try to figure out how to address that instead of like these random things where we kept running into like what's going on here. You know, like what's naming your demon, Right, right? Right. I mean,
0: it's like giving a name to your adversary. And that way it's not so ominous anymore or like, you don't know how to fight it. Um, But ultimately like with respect, like with my desire for respect, it's, I I think it's finding a way to humble myself, you know, and like realize that, you know, whatever it is that you can do, it's a gift, you know, like it's not something of my own. It's not something that I was, that I, you know, conjured up on my own. If I'm able to do something well, it's a gift. Don't be arrogant. Don't be, um, don't find like your or for me. Don't find my uh, value in that because it it is a gift. My value needs to be found in in Jesus, and my va- my value needs to be found in God, and th- that I'm made in His image, not something of my own creation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's something I intellectually know. Yeah, but actually walking it is a very different yeah. thing
1: and if you've ever dealt with any kind of anxiety or yeah. insecurity like you know that to be true
0: yeah so. anyway so there's my problems <laughs> if, any, that,
1: if you have any advice
0: <laughs> if you have any critiques that you want to give me you know like make no. sure you send them to me so i can kick myself all the time no, no,
1: no. advice <laughs> would be good if you've gone through this um Growing Deeper podcasts at yeah. gmail.com.
0: Yeah, send us an email.
1: Um, so anyway, uh, so you want to jump into this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, um, did you have anything you want to say to kind of yeah. recap?
0: Just picking up in, in chapter 23, again, we're in the book, we're the, in what's commonly called the Book of the Covenant. Um, and so we're we're right in the middle of it. Uh, we're getting towards the end of it. And uh, just to, to note that I mean again, like this is hard to get through. These are things that you start reading and you're like, man, this is just difficult. And actually most people who are they're doing the reading the Bible in the year, they're in it this week. This should be like where you're where you're around uh, for your Bible readings. And so these are kind of hard to get to. But ultimately what we see um is that God is giving them these laws and uh what it's doing is revealing his character to them in their time and space. Uh in their in their moment, he is revealing um, to them what his character is like. This is what uh, Christopher J.H. Wright says um, as far as what Jesus, is, whenever he reflects back on the law, he says that Jesus' attitude to the law was explicitly not to reject it, but to show that keeping the law was not on, not the only thing that mattered. The real priority was knowing God himself. In other words, that... To whenever we looked at the law, the way what, what it's revealing to us is who God is and how to know Him and how to come to know Him and through obedience to the law that they would be able to come to know Him at a deeper level. He continues: there is uh, much in the uh, in the life and teaching of Jesus that reflects the ethos of Psalm one nineteen, which we mentioned before, longest psalm of the Bible, and it's all about the the psalmist loving God's law, but not because just for the sake of loving God's law. But as Christopher J H Wright says, it says the writer of that psalm rejoices in the law certainly, but rejoices more in the richness uh, of relationship with God and sees the relationship expressed and enjoyed through diligent obedience to God's word. In fact, the psalmist uh, swings back and forth between the wonder, his wonder at the promise of the grace, the goodness, love, and salvation of God, and his determination. To live according to God's law, he he delights in the law because it enables him to please the God he loves. Obedience to God flows from the gratitude for grace, in in both Old and New Testament. So he reflects on Jesus's, um, the way that Jesus views the law is a it's it's a way, um, you know, it was showing us God's heart and showing us what He cared about. And so what we see with that is that hey, you know, like caring about your uh, other people, don't, don't murder them or, you know, mm-hmm. or worshiping other gods um, that he's like, hey, listen, I'm I'm your covenant partner here. Um, and so be, you know, um, you be in relationship with me only. Um, and then last last chapter, you know, like one of the things that really that, that really stuck out to me is, you know, the way that he um, lifts up the oppressed of the widow and the orphan, the alien among you listen, if if you don't represent them, then I will, says Yahweh. And so um, it's it's revealing his heart and the things that he cares about. And so that's just continuing. That's going to continue into chapter 23 uh, where we pick up. So you want to read this first section?
1: Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. And do not show favoritism to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty." Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twist the words of the righteous. Do not oppress an alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be aliens, because you were aliens in
0: Egypt. So, what what we continue here uh, is, again, like reflection. We, We get a lot of reflection on... The ten words mm-hmm. uh, on the what we call the ten commands, mm-hmm. um, and this seems to to go into the like false, bearing false witness. Yeah. What we we say don't Do lie, lie. <laughs> don't lie. But it in the yeah. in the context of what it is, it's a courtroom aspect. Don't bear false witness against your brother, right? Mm-hmm. And and so he's like, don't don't spread a false report. Don't lift up your hand uh, with the wicked to be a malicious witness. Okay, don't you know? Don't be a bad witness. Uh, And then, you know, I think it's the thing that kind of sticks out to me in this first little section is, hey, you'll not follow the majority for evil. You know, don't don't let mob mentality be your thing. Instead, mm-hmm. stand up for what's right, no matter what. Stand up for r- what's right because it's right, not because everybody else says that it's right. And so, um you know, I, I think a lot of times we do get, we just get caught up in the moment and we say, you know, it is like pitchforks and, you know, torches as we go to, um, you know, hunt down the ogre. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, and so it's like this mob mentality, um, that perverts justice instead, you know, everybody needs to be able to have their representation and that, um, you know, that even, but even the powerless person is so like, there's this tendency to say, you know, the person without power, you know, lifting them up and giving them rights. And I think that's a, that's a very good thing. And that's mm-hmm. very, very real thing that he wants done uh, from the Torah. Uh, But he's saying, but don't give partiality to that person in a legal dispute uh, just because they're poor. Yeah. Um, That it needs to be a just, you know, it needs to be a just system. No
1: matter where you rank in society's, you know, totem pole, um, you still are, you still might do something wrong that requires, you know, some consequences. Right. So, I mean, that, I think that was kind of, Kind of weird to see, maybe you know. But then you also kind of have the the other side of it later on in this section of you know. It it do just not doesn't deny justice to your poor people. It yeah, it doesn't. Ways. It doesn't
0: want to just swing all the right. way. It, it it there's a happy medium in there that it's looking for, um, where it's saying, but don't just let poor people do whatever they want. I mean, you can't just let you know people steal at will or whatever. Um, but whenever you do these things, try to be fair about them, right? Yeah. I mean that that makes sense. That that's totally totally understandable. Try to be fair about how we treat each other. Um. So, and yeah. then uh, you have any comments on this next section, the verse four?
1: Yeah. So, this, I thought this was fascinating to me. Verses four and five. Um, of you know your enemy's ox, be sure to take if like if you come across your enemy's ox, take it back if it's um if your what is it? your enemy, if if someone who hates you, their yeah, donkey has fallen yeah. down. Um this was fascinating to me for one because when I read this, I didn't just think, okay, donkeys and ox, this is the time where I <laughs> you yeah. step in and intervene. I was able to see here I'm talking about from a grand scheme of this of really all these past several chapters of how sometimes I take this and and I take it so literally of like what to do with the different animals and stuff, but this section, for some reason, I was able to see that this goes beyond donkeys and ox, you know yeah, yeah um, absolutely, and what I think is really cool about this. Is we see this? uh <laughs> what was really cool is that we, me and Garrett, both saw an Instagram post the day that we read this, and it was about um, shopping carts or buggies okay. or yeah. whatever you want to call them. Okay. And um, so there, this post was basically saying you can determine like who a person is on whether or not they return the buggy or the shopping cart (laughs) back to its little home, either out in the parking lot or back to the, you know, store. Um, Or if they just like leave it stranded. Yeah. And how basically this is something in the, in the shopping cart example, this is something that, you know, nobody sees you do it necessarily. Maybe a few other people who are leaving or coming in at the same time. Um, There's no reward for putting it back. And there's no punishment for not putting it back. Mm-hmm. But everybody can kind of generally say, you know, the right thing to do is to put it up. Right. You know? And so when we read this, it took me to that post about that. Because this is a very similar situation of like, you see you see something that's wrong and you do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And nobody is necessarily watching. I mean, to me, especially in verse 4, it's like... The enemy's your enemy's ox is wandering off well, your enemy might not know about it, and right. you could return it to their field without them maybe ever even knowing and um I just thought that that was a really cool like modern day twist on this of of being able to really see like this is this is getting to the heart of who we are as people,
0: yeah of
1: like doing you know loving your enemy, which I loved how you mentioned the other night, we were talking about this and how love your enemy is not a New Testament concept. Right. Like we're seeing it right here
0: Mm -hmm. of
1: like, look, showing love to your enemy, even if they don't deserve it, even if they don't necessarily want it, you know, um, or don't think that they want it. Um, so I just, this was probably my favorite two verses and you know, they've got donkeys and ox. Oxen? Ox- <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it, this is all about caring for your enemy, not not just for his ox, but actually for this person. Yeah. And Peter N says, L- Love your enemies is not a sentiment found only in the New Testament. Um, the unity that God's covenant people are to express towards each other extends even to those who do not like each other. Again, what is right, not how one feels, determines behavior. So, you know, it, it's like this idea, I mean, again, this is, whenever Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies, he's not doing something that's not in the Torah. He's mm-hmm. telling them to do something that they were already told to do that would be ignored, you know, that was commonly ignored or maybe just applied to Israelites.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but in his sense, it seems to be like he's even talking about the Roman you know, this Roman here that is, that you perceive as your enemy, you know, do for, do for this person. If they tell you to give you your cloak and, you know, give them your shirt too kind of thing. Or if they ask you to carry something a mile, carry it two miles. And this idea of this loving your enemy, um, is not a new thing. Uh, yeah. but Jesus is, is, uh, he's teaching it. And also he's taking it to a whole nother level. I feel like, um, which is what, it, again, it was what what the heart of the law was always trying to get to is to show, like you said, there, there are things that are fundamentally understood that we just refuse to do, mm-hmm. which I mean, and like most people would put up a sharp shopping cart, but there are people that don't. But if you ask them, hey, is it is it right to put up the shopping cart? They'd be like, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah.
0: Then why didn't you do it? I don't know. I was, you know, <laughs> like, know. but Yeah,
1: I mean, you know. With the exception of like medical emergency, you know, there's a few things, there's a few reasons where you're like, oh, okay, I totally get why that person's not putting up their shopping cart. But then there's others that you're just like, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: I, you know, here, I'm, I'm saying if you've, been, if you've been given the grace of Jesus, okay, yeah. respond out of obedience, put, the, put up the shopping
1: cart. <laughs> you were called. You called? were
0: called to put up the shopping cart <laughs> for the love don't leave it there so that somebody can not pull into the parking space. Put it back where it oh, belongs. That
1: is bad. Yeah, I also I have yeah. heard though that sometimes, um, next to the handicap spot that this is a side note, it has nothing to do with Exodus, is that um some handicapped people actually like that because then they have something they can like oh, yeah. hang like, you know, hang on to, kinda oh, like a understood. walker type yeah. thing. So that makes a little more so sense. So maybe they're so just trying to give be kind. a little grace, give a little grace if you see one next to a handicap spot, yeah. but you know.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um there you go. Um love your enemy. There it is right there in the Torah. Yeah. Uh, in the book of the Covenant, the first set of legal legal code uh that you really see uh in the Bible and there it is love your enemy uh, as yourself. Yeah. love it you know, love his things the way that you would love your own things. Uh,
1: one last thing I would like to mention about this section mm-hmm. is the last verse of this, uh, verse 9, of do not oppress an alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be aliens because you were aliens in Egypt. And this is something that continues to come up. And so we've talked about, you You know, we've seen similar verses to this before of like, yeah, you know, you were slaves in Egypt. You know what it feels like to be treated ba- badly. And, uh, something that I was thinking about in terms of why would God keep bringing this up? And I started to think about how a lot of the hard times in our lives, the further we get away from them, the harder it is to remember how bad they actually felt at that moment. Mm -hmm. And so for me now, this is don't like, don't take this the wrong way, but newborn days as lovely as a newborn baby is, they can be really hard. Um, they're just exhausting with, you know, you're running on little sleep. So every, like everything is heightened. And, um, especially for the mom, you're dealing with like hormone changes of trying to get your body back to like (laughs) Mm -hmm. a normal level of hormones or whatever. And so those days are just really hard, but the, further I get away from those days I'm like oh you know maybe it wasn't so bad like you know you see pictures on Instagram of moms with their new babies and how it's like you only then remember those good moments just like the Egyptians only remembered the pots of meat they had back in Egypt right um you only start to remember those good moments and you forget about how sleep deprived you were and how you smelled funny or like (laughs) whatever like in those newborn days where you're just like having a hard time. And, um, so that was just kind of something that I was thinking about of, I really, I mean, you really have to remind yourself, no, that was hard. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't just, you know, all fun and games, not to compare newborn stage to slavery in Egypt, but I'm just saying in general, hard stuff, we tend to kind of only see, I I think the further away we get from it the harder it is to remember yeah. just how hard yeah, it
0: was. Yeah, and we we've talked a little bit about remembering and what that I mean it's like the car accident kind of thing it just go like it fades and then you stop react you stop reacting or being as cautious yeah as you were right after the car accident yeah. you know like after a year, you know you're back you're not, to normal you know, you're, you're not, not
1: freaking out every time well you're not you're
0: not leaving you know ten cars in front of you <laughs> like you were after right after you rear into somebody going 10 instead now you're limit. back you're back to the same person you were yeah and and so it's a call to try to grab onto that and remember it so that they can not become who they were or not become Egypt, not become the people that they were they received their... Mm-hmm. Uh, deliverance from this is uh, Ross Blackburn says remembering from whence they came would have an effect on making of making the Israelites into a particular kind of people, even a kind people. For it would be expected that a people shown kindness would be a people to extend kindness. Even the blessing that God intended to extend through Abraham, hints of this can be found in the book of the uh, in the book of the covenant and, Perhaps the most explicit example, the Lord speaks to Israel, you shall not oppress the sojourner. You know the heart of the sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. The larger point is that as Israel has been treated, so they are to treat others An expectation that spans the scriptures. Or this is what uh, Christopher J.H. Wright says. He says, "Uh, Mercy received should lead to mercy offered. Israel of all people, should Should have known this a people whose very historic existence and survival proved the merciful grace and favor of God should know how to act towards the needy out of gratitude for what God has done for them. Jesus' parable of the ungrateful debtor um, uh, ends in a sober note of warning, which also reflects the influence of the law for the passages about generosity and behavior based on gratitude were not just cheerful recommendations. Hey, it would be nice, really rather nice if you'd just be kind to each other. No, they were, instead, they were integral part of the whole covenant law that was sanctioned by God's threatened judgment of disobedience. It is a feature of the Torah that love is commanded. In other words, while it is certainly, it certainly has an emotional dimension, love is not, uh, is not obeying um sorry um love is obeying God's commands. The same is true with gratitude. Of course it has been an emotion it has an emotional dimension. The book of Psalms overflows with the, with the emotion of thanksgiving, but the behavior that gratitude motivates is commanded. It is not just an optional prefer- preference for the more sensitive souls. So anyways, the whole point is, he he's trying to get at there is that Love is something that you do as an action, as a, as a follow up of the gratitude that you feel for what's been done for you. Mercy, received, should lead to mercy offered. Um, it's it it is it's the parable of the ungrateful debtor where he's forgiven so much and then he goes out and he says, um, "Sorry, you still owe me," you know, this money, even though he's been forgiven, a, you know, multitude more than that and uh and how crazy that would be um mm-hmm. and so the it's just continual, it's just one after the other um they are reminded to to do justice for the for the orphan and the widow and the sojourner or the alien among them because guys, you were slaves in Egypt, and so act accordingly this is a this is the i mean we've we talked about this last week and probably the week before that this is a this is a common theme that they are to remember that so that their actions and the things that go out from them accurately reflect the God who they serve uh, and the God that brought them out of Egypt. They reflect him out and make him known to the nations that way. That's how they're going to make him known mm-hmm. is through that. Okay, so anyways, um, let's, um, let's continue here. Uh, verse, verse 10. In six years you will sow your land and gather its yield. But the seventh you will let it rest uh, and leave it fallow. And the poor of your people will eat and their remainder the animals of the field will eat you will do likewise for your vineyard and for your olive trees 6 days you will work you will do your work but on the 7th day you will stop so that the ox and your donkey will rest and the son of your slave woman and the alien will be refreshed and you will be attentive to all that i have said to you and you will not profess the name of other gods it will be it will it will not be heard in your mouth. Three times in the year you will hold a festival for me. You will keep the, the feast of unleavened bread, for seven days you will eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you at the appointed time, the month of Abib, because in it you came out of Egypt, and no one will appear before me empty handed. And you will keep the feast of the harvest, with the feast with the first fruits of your work, and you in what you sow in the field and you will keep the feast of harvest gathering when the year goes out when you gather your work from the field three times in the year all your men will appear before the before the lord yahweh you will not sacrifice the blood of my sacrifice together with fi- with food with yeast and you will not leave the fat of my feast overnight until morning the best of the first fruits of of your land will you will bring to the house of Yahweh, your God, you will not boil a young goat and its mother's milk.
1: What an ending to that yeah. section though. You yeah. know, do not mind. Do not cook a young goat and its mother's milk. And put
0: a little, uh, asterisk on the end of that, uh, on the end of the book of the covenant section there.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow, interesting stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so for this, this section of starting off with the, the Sabbath laws and, Obviously, this is something that we've discussed multiple times because it keeps on popping up. But I think this is the first time we've had this whole six years you are to sow your fields, um, and in the seventh year leave it unplowed and unused um, so that the poor can get food from it and the wild animals uh, may eat what they leave. And this, there was kind of two different things I thought about when I read this. One is um the trust that the people would have to have in God that he would provide for in that seventh year mm-hmm. um it kind of it kind of was taking me back to earlier when they would um plow double on the sixth day um several chapters ago they they would pick up the grains double on the mm-hmm. sixth day so that they would have enough for the seventh day when they weren't doing that um but in that case they were actually doing extra here it doesn't indicate whether or not they're, you
0: yeah. know. You imagine that extra. maybe they did, you know, maybe they collected more, but I don't know. You know, it does yeah. seem like they just, they're supposed to leave the land as it is and put yeah. trust in God that he's going to take care of them. Yeah.
1: And I mean, you know, obviously to this point he has, yeah, and exactly. so there's no reason to, um, to doubt that. So on the one hand, the, the trusting God, have, the faithfulness aspect is very interesting to me here of, you know, there is this. This time of just ultra reliance on God. and And part of the Sabbath, I think, is to meditate on God and what he has done for us. And so in that year of really having to rely on him, I think that would just help all the more in that meditation process of remembering what he's done for you, remember how he's going to provide. On the flip side of that, I loved the the justice you see here, and by justice I mean the lifting up of others, um, of taking care of the poor here. Of this is, um, this is God's way of making sure that everyone is taken care of, mm-hmm. in a sense of of have, in, in having this command, um, and even the wild animals. All of creation is taken care of. Yeah. Here.
0: Well, I, I gotta imagine hearing this at the mountain in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of okay, we're gonna have vineyards, oh, we can't plow like we can't we can't do that stuff in the seventh year big deal that's better than being in the wilderness, you know like at the mm-hmm. time it yeah. kind of it sounds like really like easy, I imagine I don't know like it yeah, just the, maybe. like hey, land- you know time in the land on the seventh year, even though we can't like um I guess work the land the way we would maybe want to. Um, it 's got to be better than sitting out here in the desert mm-hmm. um i don't know i I just that 's just something that kind of comes to mind it, it but like when you get into that year it 's probably going to be like, Oh, but we had so much last year why don 't we do it again you yeah. know like and there 's no i don't i don 't recall any record of this ever happening um and so it's it 's kind of a shame that we don't see it that i 'm aware of. Um, i don't even know but, that
1: I don't even know that I was aware this existed until yeah. we read it
0: well it it's very much like the year of jubilee kind of thing uh i I mean all of that's based off of sabbath sabbath rest um but it in whatever whatever way you want to take it, it seems that Sabbath is ingrained it's not just a thing that God did on the seventh day at creation it's something that he actually ingrained into creation. Uh, for its rest it wasn't um, it's something that is a part of it and seems natural to it it's actually natural to creation for to have the seventh day rest and uh, and actually uh, I think there's an aspect of it that's like hey for all the years that you didn't give it rest it's going to get its rest uh, mm-hmm. whenever they go into exile
1: yeah I mean I love how specific it is about you know how everyone gets this rest on the on the seventh yes. day too and it's you know the slave, the alien, the donkey, the ox—I mean, it's everything. The land, yeah. The, it, yeah. it goes every—it goes yeah.
0: top to bottom. It, yeah. It's like everybody from you know from the high <laughs> from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, even Yahweh Himself. You know, it's like this rest and mm-hmm. uh, it, from top to bottom, it's it's saying everybody gets rest. It's ingrained in Yahweh's creation and what He meant for it. And so, um, yeah, it's just like this good King that yeah. He's not Pharaoh. That's for sure. You know, like, grinding them out. This is an aspect of whenever you've been a slave. Um, you know what? Like, it. it's a... It, again, that response from gratitude um, that you give everybody rest, even the land itself. Um, so everybody gets it. It has no... It,
1: it kind of, like... Gives extra, I was just thinking about this. Kind of gives even more meaning to me too when like Jesus says, "Like come to me, yes, and I will give you rest." Yes, I mean that it, that's always been the intention
0: mm-hmm.
1: from creation.
0: It, and and it, but see, like he still says, "Take my yoke upon you." Mm-hmm. So there's not like this idea of that there is no work to be done, right? But he is not the slave driver. Of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. uh, that he or, or even of the of the Pharisees who had turned the law, which was supposed to be giving them that's supposed to be giving them rest, you know, and turning it into something that's hard for them to do. Yeah. It makes it a very oppressive thing instead of something that's freeing. And I think the law was meant to be freeing. I think it was meant to be like, man, this is what God wants from us, and this, you know, like we want to, you know, we do want to obey this, um, but it wasn't meant for, for instance. One of the things is like they're going and they're taking wheat, you know, as they walk along and eating from it, whatever. Um, it's not like hardcore work. It's just like, hey, we're just taking it and we're eating it. And then the Pharisees are like, how How can your people do this? You know, how can your disciples do this type of thing? He's like, listen, Sabbath, you know, like man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the son of man has authority over the Sabbath. And so... Uh, all that stuff is kind of coming together in that, in that. But yeah, the idea of Jesus giving rest. This is that's who Yahweh is. Instead
1: of reading this like a command, read this as like God saying, "I will give you rest." Exactly. Ultimately, what he says through Jesus. I'm gonna take care of you.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool times. (laughs) So, anyways, um, yeah. So it's ingrained in creation, and and then it kind of ends with a little section. Uh, Thirteen it, before it transitions into feasts. That hey, don't profess other gods. This seems to be a common thing in its uh, transitioning. It feels like to a different little section of laws. And
1: obviously, it's a very important thing to God. Yes, because um, it's come up a bunch of different times in yes. a bunch of different ways. Yeah.
0: So it's like, what are we going to put in here just... to divide it up? Oh, let's do another one of those things about not worshiping other gods. Because it seems like a good thing to important. put in there. It's yeah. almost
1: like he knew what was going to happen. <laughs>
0: It is almost <laughs> like that is the case. Or at least the author knew what was coming down. Yes.
1: Yes. Um so this this section about the festivals, this can seem kind of um just kinda like, okay, you just read it and kind of be like, All right. Um but the conversation that Garrett and I had about this, um, something that I brought up is that I know that There have been people who have expressed to me that something that they struggle with, with I'm using major air quotes here of Old Testament God, Mm -hmm. is that he can come across as arrogant or only just wanting praise or like just. And I think it's because of verses like 14. Yeah. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. And that can sound, when only reading that verse alone, I can understand why people might have that perspective.
0: Right. Because Um, it it comes from the idea that, like, God just gave them law and that one of his laws is to celebrate me. mm -hmm. Right? Like, that that feels arrogant just saying that, right? Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, And so this is, you know, I don't think that we're going to focus too much and... Discussing the individual feasts here because some of them are things we've already talked right. about. You know, um, like the unleavened bread, that but kind of but stuff. Is, but they are
0: feasts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, they're celebrations. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: this is this is a command yeah. to celebrate. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of like a gift again, or you know, that's a blessing. It's kind of like the whole "give me rest" thing. It's yeah. like this is a good thing that's happening here. I, this is not something that would be like. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, I
0: don't I don't get any sense from either antiquity reading the Bible or from, you know, if I was to talk to a Jewish friend of mine, I don't get any sense that they would be like, oh, "Man, it's time to do the feast of unleavened bread again." Right. You know like that's not their attitude towards right. it. It is a it's a celebration of their deliverance, yeah. right? And then same thing for the others. It's like they're their celebrations that God has taken care of us. We the feast the first fruits well, first fruits insinuates fruits, right? right. <laughs> like that God has provided, and then of the harvest gathering. You know, all these things are God providing.
1: And yeah. also, okay, so before Garrett's going to do a much better job explaining this, I think as a whole, okay. of kind of like discussing this, and I'll throw in some comments here or there as I kind of think about them. But something that I thought about was this whole three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. I was thinking about how me as a wife that I could rewrite this and say to Garrett, two times a year you are to celebrate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be a pretty, um, I think Garrett would have the same expectation of two times a year you sell ce- that I celebrate Garrett. And yeah. that would be our birthdays right. and our anniversary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we would celebrate those times. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean... Maybe you think of that as arrogant, but I think that most people would be like, "Of course he will, yeah, of course he will celebrate you on those two days on yeah. your anniversary and on your birthday,
0: yeah, not you don't think of it being arrogant in a covenant ceremony, right, or in a in a leading up to a covenant acceptance and right. the The fact is is that this is not just a bunch of laws dropped out of heaven uh you know on some tablets. this is a they are at Sinai holy fire mountain God is there and he he's wanting to enter into a covenant relationship with them mm-hmm. he's this is a marriage ceremony and so like whenever we we look at it like that there there were certain things that me and you did in premarital counseling that you know you said like hey here's are my these are my expectations for what you're going to be as a husband and mm-hmm. I you know and I said these are my expectations for who you're going to be as a wife mm-hmm. and then we worked those things out right like it's mm-hmm. like uh one of those things was that you gave to me that I have continually violated is that (laughs) including this morning, (laughs) including this morning is that I would roll out the trash and it's like, okay, you know, we're sitting there at the table and we're saying, I'm going to roll out the trash. Now there's an aspect of that. That's even deeper, right? That it's like, Hey, it's not, it's not just you rolling out the trash. It's that you're going to look for things to do as my covenant partner. You're going to, you're going to actively seek things to do that, that will, you know, that are for me right like that are there are gonna be something that's gonna uh that's gonna better our relationship or whatever I mean it's not just taking out the trash it's also you know it could be uh you know picking up my clothes, which I don't do, but I'm saying if I did them, <laughs> it would be an honoring thing that I would do for you, and it wouldn't be it's not arrogant for you to ask that of me in a covenant relationship it's not arrogant of you to ask me that in a in a covenant context and also the fact is, is so much has been given, you know, this yeah. is, they were dead in Egypt. They were dead in Egypt and they've been made alive. And he's saying, Hey, you know, in this relationship with this redemption, um, you know, here's my expectations. You're going to have this festival. and Who's going to benefit from these festivals? They are yeah. not him. He's not going to get anything out of the first fruits. He's Yahweh. He has no needs, but he's, you know, and, and again, it's a part of this remembrance of where they came from, so that they can they can maintain their integrity as a people.
1: Right. And yeah. Because so, I mean, if we just think, really, the the hard part about reading some of this is that we forget to really scale back and take a look at this story as a whole and go back to. I mean, for me, it's hard to go back to even just early Exodus, but even going back to like Abraham mm-hmm. and and the. When God first made this promise yeah. to the people to deliver them to the promised land. And so, you know, just seeing here, if we're, if we're only looking in Exodus to see how he's delivered them out of Egypt. And, I mean, he has provided food and water for them. He has given them so He's giving them a day to rest, something a slave would never get. In Egypt, right, you know, and and it, and all the work that they're doing the other six days is for them, right? Like it's not ultimately going to somebody else, right? Um, and so, so much has been given to them that you do have to remember this is like this is a give and take relationship. Yeah, this is a, it, a relationship where you should want to be doing these things for each other
0: yeah and so and i've talked a little bit about gift giving a lot this is something that's come up in john barclay's book paul and the gift but it's me me realizing that gifts work very differently in antiquity than they do right now and so like what this is doing god has given them a gift that is their redemption it's a gift they can't really repay Mm -hmm. but the idea is that there's this there's always going to be like this reciprocity with it that's generating a relationship that's what gifts did in antiquity is that you would give something um, with the expectation that it would be returned not for the sake of it being necessarily returned but that you could have a you could generate a relationship between people could that be taken advantage of absolutely you could do that to make somebody owe you something um, or whatever you know so that it's like oh they're always in my debt like Dwight Schrute where he's like the whole scene of like, oh, now they owe me so I can get back at them if I want to, or they always owe me something, they can certainly be taken that way, but the I guess the ideal gift, or at least one means of the ideal gift, was that, hey, we're gonna generate this relationship. Uh and so that's kind of what the response to the covenant is here, the response to the laws and obedience to God's word and to listen to his voice. And um and so what I guess the view that's not here is that it's not this idea of bow before me peasants you know mm-hmm. like come worship me yeah. he could have done that in egypt yeah. with the egyptians he could have done that yeah um uh, he wants instead it he wants to enter into a covenant marriage relationship with them and instead this is this is a celebration of yahweh's hesed um the the hesed that he had for his his promise keeping with the with abraham his promise keepings with them to his, to, to his covenants, uh, and it was always ex, it was executed with great joy. You you go read in Chronicles about them celebrating these feasts; it's with complete joy uh, that they're that they're able to do it. It is not a burden to do such a thing, and it's not all. It and it is definitely not an arrogance aspect of this. It's a I want to be in relationship with you. Let's have a meal together. That's yeah. what these are. This is I'm going to have a meal with you, and they're going to have a meal with them uh, in this. In this book, and so um, you know it, it's uh, I, I think it's not trying not to approach it with our preconceived ideas of God who God is instead, let the story tell you who God is, and yeah. the story tells us it's not it's not this arrogant God who's demanding worship it's a very loving God who keeps his promises that wants to come in relationship with him
1: it keeps his promises regardless of our, what we do yeah, which yeah. we'll see that later chapters that's his hesed yeah that's
0: his deep hesed um so we're gonna uh keep going um and finish out the chapter here
1: okay so real quick before we jump into the the last section of this chapter though we can't leave the do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk like
0: the the actual (laughs) most most re-quoted verbatim command verbatim (laughs) yeah i mean yeah there's things like uh like you know don't worship other gods it seems to appear a yeah. lot it's just i i think i do think i th- i think i think this <laughs> is the most uh repeated command it's three times repeated in the torah um i every other command I, is verbatim repeated twice if like if, if it's repeated it's only repeated twice yeah um but this is the only one that's like verbatim repeated three different times in the so torah
1: that, i mean seriously important
0: <laughs> i it's <laughs> yeah know, I, guess. I guess um <laughs> You know, like people have a hard time figuring out what what this means, and actually yeah. there's a whole kosher law that's based off of it where um if you want a cheeseburger, <laughs> you can't have one sorry uh because that would be putting dairy on on a on meat mm-hmm. and uh so what they end up doing is separating that out in kosher restaurants and saying, "Hey, if you want meat, you go to this side, and if you want dairy, go to this side uh but we don't mix and match dairy with meat because because of this because they're trying to keep. They're trying to keep the Torah, and, and they don't know what to do with it. And so yeah. um, it biblical scholars kind of, they debate over these things. And debate seems to be, or at least one of the points of the debate is like, well, you know, it's like about putting, like killing something in that which was to give it life, right? That you're, you're going to boil a goat in its mother's milk seems to be a sadistic way of it just doing feels things.
1: wrong right
0: yeah, yeah. exactly it, it it's this idea of like man this d- doesn't feel right and it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like we should be boiling a goat in its own mother's milk which was supposed to instead help it grow and live instead it's a means of death mm-hmm. so that's one way of looking at it another way uh, and i think it's ugarit uh, texts um, that talk about they actually talk about this practice, um, and so the idea. One of the things is, well, maybe this is a line item that's repeated because it was a common practice of the Canaanites. The idea is to not be like the Canaanites, so don't do this because yeah. this is a thing the Canaanites do, and it's kind of dark. Yeah. So, um, so you know, don't don't do that. Um, and so it's repeated three times, and uh, you know, that's those. That's the debate. You know, Just it's like so what. Some <laughs> you could, for you there. Yeah, it, we could uncover something, I guess, in archaeology, you know, that tells us more about it. But that's kind of what the arguments that I see right now is just like, hey, maybe it's like not being like the Canaanites or not something, taking something for life and making it for death. Yeah. Um. So I think both have good, good background, if not both. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, so we'll pick up in verse 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the river. I will hand over you hand over to you the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you.
0: And so we transition from a section you know, all of the book of the covenant talking about here's what you're going to do for me to a section of saying, okay, now in response, here's what I'm going to do for you. Remember, this is a covenant ceremony. This is this, here's laying out, here's what, how it works, how you're going to treat me, and here's how I'm going to treat you. And, uh, and so what he's telling them is that, hey, you know, in response to this, uh, I'm going to take you into the land and, uh, and, you're gonna live there, and it's gonna be awesome. And uh, what what he says here is that out of response, I'm gonna send my angel before you. It's it, it's the word malak, which is um, it just it means messenger. It's it sometimes divine, sometimes not divine, sometimes just a person. And so I don't know that it's exceedingly clear, um, but it it says that I'm gonna send my messenger before you uh, to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I prepared. And we've seen this. Messenger, this angel of God before the angel of Yahweh in chapter three, um, whenever he gets to the burning bush, it says that the angel of, the angel of Yahweh spoke to him from the bush, and so he's been an active character in this. And it also, what's interesting is that usually whenever you see the listen to a voice, it's listen to my voice, says Yahweh, kind of thing. Do do listen, listen for my guidance and the way that I instruct you. And here. He's talking about the angel and saying, "Listen to his voice. Uh, do not rebel against him, because he will not forgive your transgression. For my name is in him." Um, and so, I, I think it's um, it's interesting to me that it doesn't. It sometimes it feels like the angel of Yahweh is a distinct character, and sometimes it feels like it's Yahweh himself. And that it's like Yahweh going before them, but it's the messenger of Yahweh, but at the same time, listen to his voice just like you listen to yahweh's voice, mm-hmm. so there's this uh aspect of the angel of Yahweh that is seems to be both distinct from Yahweh and yet the same as yahweh and uh and i I just think that that's interesting i I think whenever we start thinking about Jesus and we start thinking about the things that he does, that has to be um something you know like. The, there's, um, in Tim Mackey's words, there's shelf space for this, that, um, to, to see somebody, a a human that is both Yahweh and distinct from Yahweh, uh, there's shelf space for this where we, you know, when we read about the angel of Yahweh, uh, in, in the Old Testament. And so, and, and I'll, and I'll say this too, and this, this will kind of add a little bit of a, a twist to it, I suppose, is that actually, um, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, um, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, just as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I am sending my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one out in the wilderness, saying, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Make straight his path. Um, and so, actually, um, when you look at the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, not Hebrew, uh, when you look at the Septuagint, this this verse from Exodus chapter twenty three is is almost verbatim uh, of the behold I am sending sending my messenger, that's the malach or the angel, I'm sending my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, um and so in some sense, Mark is thinking about the Exodus while he's writing this. Now it's also something that is picked up and repeated in I think it's Malachi. Uh, chapter 3, he picks up on the Exodus and says, hey, there's going to be a new Exodus. And guess what? God's going to come and he's going to dwell in his temple. Um, And so all these things are playing on each other. And and, in fact, what you end up seeing uh, is that there is a messenger that's going before his face. I I guess I haven't really studied this enough to think whether or not Mark is talking about John or talking about Jesus himself. Everybody else seems to be thinking about John because he's the voice in the wilderness crying out. Um, and so it seems like John is that character, but then whenever you look at Malachi, um, Malachi chapter three, it says that suddenly, uh, God is going to come into his temple. And what do you see happen right after this in Mark is that Jesus is baptized, the spirit descends, it dwells in his temple. And so it's saying Yahweh is among us. He's come. We're going to have another Exodus. There's going to be a new and greater Exodus. It's about to throw down. And so Mark just, he right out the gate, if you are a, if you're a good reader of your Hebrew Bible, you know that whenever Mark says this type of thing, he's like, there's going to be a new Exodus. And what is, so then the question as you read the rest of Mark is, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, I guess I could give you answers, but that wouldn't be really studying Exodus. It would just be saying, here's what Jesus does with that. And, uh, and the deliverance that he gives, um, is more and greater even then the Exodus uh, that happens from Egypt and God dwelling among them in the Exodus story. So anyways, those are all playing on each other. And if you don't know one, it's really hard to see the, the value in the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and why why Mark would think that's so significant is not just the quote from that one verse. It's giving you a whole context of a story that's already preloaded in you of this Exodus. Like, oh, yeah. It's just like Moses, you know, but awesomer, you know. And yeah. so, anyways, I just wanted to, to note that of the this messenger is coming. He's listened to his voice. It's both Yahweh, distinct from Yahweh in some way. It's just it really intriguing. Um, but he's gonna go into the land, and he's gonna drive out the peoples. Um, before them, they every, don't seem to,
1: Every time I read these groups of peoples, I'm just like. <laughs> This is the promise. Yeah. Like, that's what, that's honestly what I think about whenever I read all those every time. I feel like I've read them a thousand times now. Yeah. Um, but when I read them, I think about the promise. I think what's hard for me about this section or the, the I mean, this whole, this whole last, what, 13 verses or so mm-hmm. is just um, since we don't really know anything about, the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites. It sure. seems like a harsh thing of like I will wipe them out. Yeah. Um. And so, again, I tend to focus on the negative yeah. in scripture. I feel like. Yeah. Or the things that are like hard to. What? Yeah. Like. Come to terms with.
0: Yeah. What um, What we know is that, uh, whenever Abraham was given the promise, um, part of part of that stipulation was that listen you know, the um the sin of the peoples that are there hasn't hasn't come to its fruition yet. And mm-hmm. so he's not gonna rip it from them in the state that they're in, uh, whatever that is. And it seems like it but it's trending towards a place where it's saying, Listen, I've gotta deal with this situation that's going on in Canaan. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna be four hundred years from now. And so there's there is this idea of like there being time uh that's developing and it, it seems to be one of those situations where it's like the land cries out kind of thing and God's judgment comes in. But believe me, I, the, this, this aspect of it definitely doesn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's something that I need to do more study on of like, okay, so what do we do? What do we do with the, you know, Israelite conquest? And, you know guys like John Walton have written books on that. I haven't gotten to them yet you know, <laughs> and so it's yeah. a, it's a, the people have written books on this uh and how you know how to work through this again if there's something that I'm uncomfortable with, I have to reckon with that and say you know and and recognize that actually this is actually part of our cultural experience that this has become something that's actually uncomfortable this wasn't this isn't is actually isn't all that uncomfortable for people's that you know that that live under oppressed nations and stuff, and um well so it, it's a you know
1: something that I had mentioned the other day was just that like you know it kind of bothered me that they didn't have a chance to stay in the land, like you know if that that they might have a chance to be a part of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. and when I think back to earlier on in this story you know, the Egyptians had the opportunity to participate in the Passover and yes. potentially leave Egypt um, with the Israelites. And so we talked about then how it was kind of this expansion of like this, the The end game here is not for this to just be for this one group of people. right? And so I have to keep that in mind when I'm reading this chapter that the intention here is, is not for it to just be for this one group of people, but, like, this is not the end of the story.
0: Yeah, the, the promise that's actually being fulfilled by this is that, hey, I'm going to bring you into the land. This is yeah. going to be your land. You're going to be n- as numerous as the stars of the sky, but I'm going to bless all the nations through you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you. And so there is a, a long-term goal of the nations uh that's on the horizon, and this is one aspect of getting closer to that um and and you're gonna and you're gonna see even whenever they quote utterly destroy like those people still are hanging around in the story mm-hmm. itself, and yeah. so then it like it leads biblical scholars to say, Well, does this really mean what we think it means uh or have we kind of have we maybe gotten some aspects of this wrong? Is it just a get rid of all the other gods you know and you know, purge that from the land because they're not, they are, they do need to remain separate in some way so that they can bear the name of Yahweh. Yeah. And so there's some aspect of them being separate is still a part of the world. You know, like we as Christians deal with this all the time of like, how do I be in the world, not of the world? Right. And so, um, there, there is this, God wants them to be distinguished and holy. Uh, I mean, that's what being holy means. is not righteous, but set apart and being different. Um, he wants them to be different uh while all all the same, he wants the other nations to come to know him through them, not just for their own sake of being holy, uh,
1: yeah, it almost feels like for them to get into the land and and be surrounded by these these other groups of people would be too much, like that they wouldn't be able i mean god it it even says that it's like the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you like the recognition of you wouldn't be able to handle the the temptations here mm-hmm. if those people were to like dwell among you
0: and in, in fact they won't right yeah. right right so but
1: but that's already being set up here mm-hmm. it's just like you know like you won't that's going to be so much of a temptation for you that there needs to be some time where you can really dig in and figure figure all this out i right. feel like of of how to live and and be a have this relationship and you be my people and I be your God.
0: Right. It's they're not gonna just change overnight into being right. something wholly different. Um and uh yeah, and so that and, and in fact like like you said, it it's it's going to be a temptation and actually this is very much going to be their downfall. Is the worship of other gods um, it's probably why it comes
1: up so much i mean
0: it's just it's just it's the thing that's going to be their downfall it's the it's the issue with solomon it's the issue with it it's continually and it happens over and over again they turn back and God says Ah, oh, I still love you and you know and i'm here I'm still your God and everything and then they go back to other gods they're god's it's god's unfaithful wife, you know, yeah. and it continually goes out after other gods, and yet he still shows his Hesed to them, and that's his whole point in jeremiah thirty one he's like I'm I'm going to remember my hesed for you and I'm going to come and get you. It which is precisely what Jesus is doing. And so to fulfill that. Anyways, I I jump from thing to thing, but it like all of these things play on each other and um and so I I think it's just a uh, is it, something I I just want to validate that I understand whenever people struggle with this because I very much struggle to, with this. Um, but I do want to reckon with where is my struggle coming from. Is this something that people have always struggled with, and why, why or why not? Uh, and try to reckon with that. I, I do see the long term goal, which is all the nations, and that like that is just repeated over and over again throughout the prophets, mm-hmm. and so, um, in 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 the story of Jesus, and in in Acts. You know the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of Jesus through the Apostles.
1: Yeah, and it's just really just trying to remember that the beauty here is that this is God doing something for them, and fulfilling His promises, That's right. and not dwelling so much on what we see as like the yeah the I negative mean, side.
0: Like so, I mean, you see this stuff. Uh, I mean, what what's it going to be like? Well, in, in the land, if you listen to my voice, if you listen to the voice of the messenger, um, you know. If you serve Yahweh your God, he will bless you, bless your bread and your water. I will remove sickness from among you. There will be no one suffering miscarriage or uh, infertile in your land. I will make full the number of your days. And this, I mean, this sounds very heavenly. I mean, this is, this is heaven on earth. It's the way it was
1: supposed to be from the beginning in Eden.
0: The idea is a restored Eden, Mm -hmm. I think. And that... um, that there's this idea God is dwelling among us, we're listening to him, we're obeying his voice and uh, and he, you know, his life giving presence is 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 everything. Um and, and to know him um is is to receive this this life from him.